Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Let me jump right into the Word this evening. So excited to be here. Everyone doing well this evening? <clears throat> Glad to be in church. Obviously, you're here. So good to see all of you. But let's jump right into the Word. I want to drop a, a thought in your heart. And, and I'm believing God to really just, just minister to your heart through this word this evening and 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 when we conclude and whatever the Lord wants to do we'll let him do it how many of you know we're in a church that that it's not our agenda it's his agenda amen amen but I want you to turn with me to the book of Daniel chapter 7 Daniel chapter 7 Daniel chapter 7 and I'm going to read a few passages passages of scripture um, in Daniel chapter 7, beginning with verse 15. And while you're turning there, I want, I want us to acknowledge we have Dr. Rich Rogers in the house and his wife, Teresa. Come on, Doc, stand up. You can't sit down. Come on, let's give it up for Dr. Rich and Teresa. Glad to have them um, here with us. Of course, they're there. Um, they're still our family, and they're there at the Georgia campus, and, and um, they're between campuses, I guess you could say, and, but just doing a phenomenal work. And Dr. Rich um, is a tremendous help there on the Kingdom Connection side of the ministry and all throughout, and we thank God for them and their family, and we're glad to have them with us um, today. But let's go to the Word of God, uh, Daniel chapter 7. Begin reading at verse 15, Daniel chapter 7, verse 15. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by and asked, asked him, stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me, and he made known to me the interpretation of these things. Now, Daniel here is talking about a vision that he was given. And if you study the Bible, um, anytime you know that Daniel's, uh, the book of Daniel is filled with so many different prophecies and, and um, um, prophetic uh, implications regarding scripture and the future of, um, of, of the body of Christ and even the church. But I'm not, that is not my assignment today um, to try to do all of that today. Um, I don't think I could if, even if I tried, but just to draw out from a, from a simple a couple scriptures, a thought and a point that I want you to see. And I believe it will bless your heart if you grab a hold to it. Verse 17 says, those great beasts were, were which are, those great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the most high shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and, and even forever and ever. Notice what it said. It said the saints... The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. Now jump down to verse 21 and notice what it says. Here's Daniel. He said, I was watching and the same horn, he's talking about that horn, was making war against the saints. Notice that. And prevailing against them. And verse 22 and said, until the ancient of days came. And judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Notice that. He said, I was watching. I saw something. He said, I saw a horn that was making war against the saints. 
and prevailing against them. And then it says, until the ancient of days came and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. In this particular text here, I want you to notice a couple of things. Notice the scripture said this in verse 21. He said, Daniel said, as I was watching in this vision, I saw a horn that was making war against the saints. That horn right there in scripture is another word for antichrist or a representation of the antichrist spirit. And notice what its assignment was. Notice what his strategy was. Notice what he was out to do. Did you catch it? The scripture said that he was making war against the saints. War against the saints. You have to understand that as, as the body of Christ, as the church, as born again believers, that we are in a war. The Bible is very clear that we're in a spiritual war. Where the Bible says that we wrestle not in Ephesians 6 against flesh and blood, but against principalities, but against powers and rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. There is a real demonic realm. There's a real spiritual realm. There's a real dark realm that is, realm that is out to carry out Satan's ultimate assignment against God's people. And that is what he said in John 10, 10, the thief come not but to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy has no desire in making bargains with us. He has no desire in making peace with us. He has no desire of nothing more than to see you and I destroyed and devastated because he understands there's no possible way that he could ever do anything to get back to God. He cannot defeat God. He cannot beat God. And you know what? Sometimes I think it's even an insult to God to even put the devil on the same playing ground because he is no match whatsoever for the king of kings and the lord of lords but the one thing that he will try to do is to try to get you and to try to get me to get back at him you have to understand that we're in a war first timothy 1 and 18 says that we must war wage a good warfare Second Timothy two, three and four says that therefore endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the cares of this world. And as I said early, the Bible said that our weapons of warfare are not carnal. Notice that our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself above above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are in a war. But I want you to understand when I say that we're in a war, that the Bible says that we are equipped for this world, this war. It just told us that we have weapons. Our weapons are not our fist. Our weapons are not our knuckles. Our weapons are not our feet. But I, one part of our weapons I can say is, is our knees. Because one of our greatest weapons is prayer. When you get down on your knees, you enter into warfare. We have the weapon of the name of Jesus. We have the weapon of the blood of Jesus. We have the weapon of the word of God. And we are equipped 
with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that empowers us to walk in victory and triumph. How many of you are thankful that God has not left us here? The Bible said, I didn't leave you as orphans. In other words, an orphan is someone who don't have authority in their life. He said, I didn't leave you here weak. I didn't leave you here busted and disgusted, but I, that's why I told you that I must go so that the Holy Spirit can come to empower you and to, come on, to empower you to live a victory and triumph. Luke 10, 19 says, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Come on. The Bible says in Mark that I give you power to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, to cast out devils in Jesus' name. And even if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. I'm glad that we've been equipped for the battle. We have been destined to win. God is on our side and we, come on, is anybody hearing me in the five o'clock service? We're in a war. We're in a fight. And the Bible said this, if you notice, <clears throat> that it says that when the horn made war, did you catch it? He was prevailing against the saints. Did you catch that? In other words, in this particular vision, Daniel saw that there was a time that the enemy had the upper hand. He was prevailing. He was winning. It looked like, 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 like that he had, he, he was in the advantage place though. He was prevailing, pushing back the saints, overwhelming the saints, overcoming the saints, saints in that sense. And it says that he was prevailing. The odds were stacked against them. Their back was against the wall. They were stuck between a rock and a hard place. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When God gives you an assignment, when God gives you a word or gives you something to do, sometimes it seems like like all hell begins to break out. Paul said that Paul said that God has opened up for me a great door for evangelism, but there with that door come great opposition. Oftentimes when God opens up a great door or a great opportunity, you better expect great opposition because the enemy will try to come. And the scripture said that the enemy was were prevailing. They were losing ground, they were losing territory. They were looked like they were having to retreat and back up and back up. Have you ever felt like in life that you felt like that the enemy was just having the upper hand? The moment you get you, you think that you've got one issue over here and you're dealing with that. Next thing you know, here comes something over here. And if that wasn't enough and this is what this was enough, then something happens over here. I've been dealing with issues on my job and now I come home. I got issues with my children. I got issues with my neighbor. If it's not this, it's that. If it's not that, this, this, it's this. And I and I'm in a season where it seems like as 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 Joseph would say, all these things are against me. It is this picture that is painted here. I'm in a season, it said, that nothing is resembling the promise of God. Nothing looks like his prophecy over my life. Matter of fact, everything looks like the exact opposite of what we told of what he told me. The odds are stacked against me. Nothing is working in my favor. It feels as though the enemy has gotten the best of me. But you have to look carefully at the wording of that text. 
Did you notice that it said that the horn was prevailing, but it didn't say that the horn prevailed? Oh, I'm going to go over here and talk to him. Notice it said that it was prevailing, but it did not prevail. In other words, it was, he was prevailing, but he didn't prevail. See, there's a difference between winning and the, the winning the game and who won the game. I didn't want to use that point because it, it's, it hits a soft spot in me, especially over this last year's Super Bowl. Because we was winning the game the whole time. But we, we, we were winning the game, but we didn't win the game. And there was a time where it looked like it was over. It was done. I was ready to celebrate. Finally, the Atlanta Falcons got a Super Bowl. But although we were winning for the majority of the time, there came a turning point in that football game. And everything went sour and everything went bad. You are enjoying this too much. This is a preaching point. And that's what the scripture is saying. Because I believe that's what the enemy was doing at one time. He's smiling. He's laughing. He's ready to party. He's ready to celebrate saying, I got them right where they were, where I want them. I've got them on the run. I've got them backed up into a corner. I've got them at the point on the verge of giving up. This, I knew it. I knew they weren't going to last. I knew they were going to give in. I knew they were throwing the towel. I knew, I knew it. I knew it. If I just kept enough pressure, if I kept enough opposition, if I kept enough obstacles before them, I knew I would get it. But he, the scripture said that he was prevailing, but he did not prevail. I want to tell you, Notice in the text, watch this, that when it says, when it says that the horn was prevailing, notice this, notice the punctuation in the text. When it said that he was prevailing, notice what that, against them, notice there was a comma. Did you catch that? There was a comma, not a period. In other words, a comma doesn't mean that it's the end. Any English teachers or people in education know that a comma means that there's more to come. There's a continual a continuation. There's more to this story. In other words, it's a brief pause because there's more to come. There wasn't a, a period at the end. There was a comma which ought to uh, say to us and say to you and I that although it seemed like it was the end, it was not the end because the scripture said that when the horn made war, he was prevailing against the saints. But notice what it said. It said then in the next part of that, it says, until the ancient of days came and judgment was made in favor of the saints. Who is the ancient of days? It's God Almighty, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's God that sits high. It's God who says the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. God Almighty who has all power in his hand. And the Bible said just when it looked like it was over, that's when God stepped in. That's when God turned the situation. That's when God turned it all around. 
I put it like this. It looked like I was done. It looked like I was over. It looked like there was no hope. And it looked like hell won. But until the ancient of days stepped in and turned my situation around. But this is what I want to say. This is the thought that I want to give you as a title. You have to understand that when God is involved, when Christ is involved, your condition is not your conclusion. I said your condition is not your conclusion. Your situation is not going to be permanent. The circumstance that surrounds you will not be like that always. And I come to declare that over the lives of people that your condition is not your conclusion. Come on. I said your condition is not your conclusion. You have a God that knows how to turn the table. You have a God that knows how to turn things around. You have a God that knows how to take you from disadvantage to the advantage. Who knows how to take you from the back and move you to the front. He knows how to take you, come on, from obscurity and put you in notoriety. Using to serve a God that knows how to come in at the right time, at the right place, and turn every situation and circumstance circumstance around on your behalf until the ancient of days you need to understand the bible was said the judgment was made in favor of the saints for a long time it didn't look favorable for a long time they looked they looked like they were at the bottom of the barrel for a long time they looked like they were victims for a long time, it looked like they were not going to make anything or, or make it anywhere. But the Bible said that God, I want to say this, has the last word. I want to say that to somebody. The enemy does not have the last word over your life. God has the last word over your life. Your times are not in hell's hands, but David said my times are in his hands. God has the last word over your marriage, over your family, over your children. I don't care about any fat lady singing. I know that's what they say. It ain't over to the fat. Forget her. It's not over until God says it's over. His word is true. His word is final. His word is authority. His word is forever settled in heaven. I said your condition is not your conclusion. Drugs may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion. Alcohol may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion. Immorality may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion. Pain and suffering may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion. Sickness and disease may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion. Unemployment may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion. Come on. Debt and lack of money may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion. Divorce may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion. Fear may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion. Depression may be, come on, your condition, but not your conclusion. Anxiety may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion. I come this evening to preach to some people to let them know I don't care what hell has tried to stamp 
upon you and put on you and tell you that it's over and tell you that it's done. If God be for you, who can be against you? Your condition is not your conclusion. The enemy wants you to give up. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants you to just, just settle and give in to hell's agenda for your life. But I'm here to declare that as long as Jesus Christ is on the throne, as long, come on, as the Spirit of God dwells within us, our conditions that are contrary to this word are not God's conclusions for our life. Listen to me. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, for our light and momentarily troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He said, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're facing. He said, in light of what God is about to bring you into, he said, it's but a light thing and it's temporary. And that's why he says on down in verse 18 to look not at the things which are seen. But at the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are eternal. Is anybody in here have the eyes of faith at the five o'clock service that says, I know this may be where I am now, but I'm not going to stay here. I know this is what I may be facing now, but this is not my permanent position. That's why you don't make permanent decisions when you're facing temporary circumstances. Some of us quit too soon. Some of us give up too quick, but you have to learn to stay in that place of faith and know that there's coming a time and coming a day that the great until is going to bring a turning point in your life. Your condition is not your conclusion. Notice many people that God used in the Bible had to grab a hold to this revelation. Moses was a fugitive, but his condition was not his conclusion. Naaman was a leper, but his condition was not his conclusion. Lazarus laid in a tomb, I talked about him this morning, to the point of stinking. But his condition was not his conclusion. Peter, did what he said he'd never do. Deny Christ. Always be there for Christ. He did what he said he'd never do. Fell like the biggest failure and mess up. Huh. But his condition was not his conclusion. Because Jesus said when he rose up, he said, go find Peter. Go find my homie. Go find my boy. Come on, I know he messed up. And I know because that's what you need to understand. Failure may be your condition, but it's not your conclusion when Christ Jesus is involved. But there is something that's key about that turning point. And but notice it said the word until. Notice until, there's a space in there. That word until means the undetermined amount of time between expectancy and fulfillment. Until it's in that moment, that time frame that I'm waiting, 
that we cannot be tempted to lose it. That we cannot allow ourselves to become more focused on our problems and our circumstances and lose focus on our God. Jesus said, looking, the Bible said in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, watch this, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, watch this, because he had the right focus, he endured the cross. He endured the pain. He endured the shame. He endured the ridicule in his life because he kept the right focus. And he said for us to look at him as an example, the next part of that verse says that we not lose heart. Keep the right focus. What do you mean? I want to give you several things right now. Three things that's important that you must do in the until moment, until this thing changes, until the ancient of days stepped in, until you reach the fulfillment that your, your condition is not your conclusion. Are you ready? Three simple points and I'm going to get out of your way. Number one, don't lose your song. Don't lose your song. Psalms 137, listen to this verse. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat. And we wept, watch this, when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away in captivity asked us of a song. And those who plundered us requested myrrh saying, sing us one of, one of the songs of Zion. And notice what it said. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? You know what this is talking about? It was a time where God's people were in captivity. They had been taken to a foreign land. And they had the enemy at, the, at a season had, had captured them and taken them off to a foreign land. And they were in captivity and in bondage. But notice what the enemy was doing. He was taunting them. Do you know what he was saying? Where's those songs at now? You were singing. Notice it in Zion. Where's those songs now? That praise that you had when everything was going right. Where's that song that you had in church on Sunday at Free Chapel now? Where is that praise now? Come on, sing us a song right now. It was taunting them, making fun of them, insinuating the fact that you can only praise your God when things are going good. You can only sing and worship your God when you're on the mountaintop. But when trouble comes and hardship comes, where is your song now? I come to tell you this evening, you cannot lose your song. David said, I will bless the Lord at all all times his praise shall continue to be in my mouth I will magnify the Lord and exalt his holy name David said that my praise is never going to be contingent my praise will always be continual I'm gonna praise God when it's good I'm gonna praise God when it's bad I'm gonna praise him on the mountaintop if I get in a valley I'm gonna praise him I don't care what life hand me don't you lose your song for each 
chapel. Don't you lose your worship. Don't you lose your tune to God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just because your situation changes doesn't mean your God changes. And he's worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your praise. See, it's when you're in this moment, that's when it's the sacrifice of praise. It hurts to raise your hand. It hurts to open up your mouth. But that's the praise, I believe, that grabs heaven's attention, that calls the ancient of days to step in. Why don't you stop right now and give him a great big praise, a continual praise. Don't lose your song. Come on. Don't lose your song. Dream Center, don't lose your song. Ladies, don't lose your song. I don't care how tough it gets. Don't lose your song. Don't lose your worship. You got to keep your song while you're in the wait. You got to keep your worship and praise while you're in the wait. The Bible said, mm-hmm. I thought about this. I put it down. I thought about Paul and Silas. Understand that the, the, their condition where they were beaten, they were busted, they were bloody, they were in prison with the thought of keeping them uh, 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 oppressed and put down, probably even to the point of death. But their condition was not their conclusion because something grabbed a hold of them in the midnight hour. And says, I may can't change what's going on around me. But what I'm not going to change is what's going to come up out of me. And they begin to praise God. The Bible said, pray and sing hymns unto the Lord. And all of a sudden, there came an earthquake that shook the jail. Not only did it shake the jail, it shook their chains off and the prisoners chains off. Because they decided that my praise will always be continual. Bloody and beaten, I'm going to still praise him. Down and out, I'm going to still praise praise of abandoned and talked about and forsaken but I'm going to still praise him don't lose your song I thought about the Syrophoenician woman can I just preach a little bit the Bible said this woman came on behalf of her daughter her daughter her daughter's condition was she was demonically possessed her daughter's condition was a horrible situation and this woman the bible said she came to jesus watch this and she called out to him and said jesus son of david help me have mercy on me and the bible said that jesus said not a word to her disciples said who is this chick Get her up out of here. Get, get, get her up, up out of here. But then if you read it, something shifted. She changed her tune. Because the Bible said, now watch this. She said, oh, oh, okay. I can't be religious with Jesus. Because see, that was the, the cry, the religious cry that often they would repeat. Oh my God. Under the old covenant. She said, oh, so he don't want 
any religious praise. So the Bible said that she threw that away and she came and fell at his feet and worshiped. And she said, all she said then was she left all out. She left all the thou arts and thines and all that out. And she fell on her face before his feet. And the Bible said that she worshiped and she just said, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And the Bible said he turned and said to her, isn't it funny that some routine religious praise Jesus said I don't have time for that but if he can find true worship that is in spirit and in truth he will bring full attention to it and the Bible said that when he said to her this bread is not for you I can't give you the children's bread she said that's true Lord but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table and he said well if you got that much faith guess what today in this same self hour I same self hour your daughter shall be made whole I want to talk to some parents who the enemy has said about your children that their condition is their conclusion I want to tell you don't you lose your song don't you lose your worship stay on your face before God and watch him turn the captivity your children are coming home your daughter is coming home your son is coming home in Jesus name I declare it right now they don't belong to the enemy they don't belong to hell they are children of God they are women of God they are sons of God called and destined by him don't lose your song number two don't lose your song number two but you got to continue to persevere in faith what do you mean Javon the Bible says in, in, in Mark chapter 5, there was a woman with an issue of blood. Twelve long years was her condition. Twelve long years was her condition. An issue of blood, the scripture. Twelve years she suffered. Going from doctor to doctor, appointment to appointment. No kind of resolve. No kind of turnaround. No kind of help. No kind of hope. Losing money and losing blood and losing life. What you have to understand is this. In our West, Western culture or mentality, we would just discreetly refer to this as a female problem or, you know, that's a woman's condition. But because she was of the Jewish culture, listen to this. This, is, this was a bit different. As a Jewish woman, listen, sexually she could not touch her husband. Maternally, she could not have children. Domestically, whatever she touched was considered unclean. Spiritually, she could not enter into the temple and worship. Socially, she was ostracized. Physically, she was exhaust, exhausted. And those issues represented the struggles that she had every day for 12 long years. But despite the odds that was stacked against her, Despite having this horrible condition for 12 long years, the Bible said that she refused to stay where she was. And the scripture said there was one day that Jesus came into town. And I love it. Here it is right here. What, what triggered this all? Because this was the difference of her understanding that her condition was not her conclusion. Because the Bible said that when she heard that Jesus was in town, 
and that she heard that he could heal. Watch this. She said within herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And the Bible said she pressed through the crowd and came up and touched him from behind. What did she do? What do you mean persevere in faith? She heard, watch this. She did and she said. You see, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When she heard that Jesus could heal, faith came up. And not only did she hear and faith came up, the Bible says she said within herself. She, she received faith, watch this, and she started talking faith. See, when you're in that moment of waiting, you can't talk doubt. You can't talk unbelief. You can't talk negativity. You can't complain and you can't murmur and you can't this and that. No, 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 no. You have to, to speak words of faith. You have to say what he's saying about your situation. And it's good that you have faith. It's good that you speak faith. But the next thing you got to do is start taking steps of faith because the Bible said faith without works is dead. There has to be some corresponding action. You have to persevere in faith. Keep standing on the word. Keep speaking the word and keep doing everything. Keep coming to God's house. Keep praising and praying. Keep giving. Keep sowing. Keep serving. Keep walking in faith because the Bible said that your labor is not in Last point and I'm ending. Number one, don't lose your song. Number two, persevere in faith. And number three, you got to remain persistent in prayer. What do you mean, Javon? The Bible said in 2 Kings, excuse me, in 2 Kings, regarding Hezekiah. I understand Hezekiah was a man of prayer. The Bible talks about in the beginning as when he became king, that when a wicked king, the wicked Assyrian king came against them to make war, he brought so many accusations and so many negative thoughts and plots and schemes of what he was going to do to the children of Israel. And, and he began to tell Hezekiah that, 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 that I don't know why you trust in God and I don't know why you're trying to lead these people to have hope and faith in God. None of that is going to work. Do you know who I am and what I can do? But the Bible said Hezekiah's response was that he took that evil report into the temple, the scripture said, and he laid it out before the Lord and prayed. And God gave him a word. He said, oh, Hezzy, I got this. You don't have to worry about this. I'm going to take care of this. But see, that was a, an evil report against him as a king and his kingdom. But then the Bible said another evil report hit his life. And the scripture said, the prophet Isaiah walked in, he became sick, Hezekiah did, was stricken with a sickness. And the Bible said that the prophet Isaiah came in and he said, Hezekiah, set your house in order. Because you're surely going to die. This is it. This is over. Your condition 
is about to be your conclusion. It's a wrap. But Hezekiah knew something. He was a praying man. And he understood that the last time, I, every time that I've prayed and every time that I've sought God and earnestly cried out to him, he's moved on my behalf. And the Bible said he went to that wall and he began to pray and cry out. And he began to recall to God his faithfulness to him throughout his lifetime. And the Bible said, the pro imagine, you know, Isaiah was pretty rough. He just said, you're going to die today. Get it together. See ya. But as he's walking away, God says, stop. He said, go back. And tell Hezekiah, I've heard your prayers. And I've seen your tears. And tell him, I put this part in, his condition is not his conclusion oh I love God the same mouth that brought Hezekiah bad news God used the same mouth to bring it right back in and give him some good news he said Hezekiah your condition is not your conclusion and he said in three days you're going to get up from this three days mm. three days three days you're going to get up from this and he says and God's going to add 15 more years to your life because your condition your condition is not your conclusion I see Teresa over here Rogers I watched her come in before they moved in a trial of her life, that whole family battling cancer. Some days couldn't get out of bed, in and out. A family that has loved God and honored God all of their life and been in ministry. Rich all of his life. Teresa singing and work. It's all they know. Great family. Hit her with cancer. And there was a, now I know there's others in here. And I didn't even know she's going to be in this service. But there were times that, that it seemed like the enemy was prevailing and getting the best of her. But I never will forget watching her. She would come through those doors with her hat on. With everything that she had, all the strength and ability. And she would just come. Sometimes she wouldn't say a whole lot. Sometimes she wouldn't do. With every bit of her strength was determined not to lose her song. Uh, to stay persistent in faith and keep praying and praising God. And she stands here today healthy and whole as a testimony that we serve a God that says your condition don't have to be your conclusion. And now God uses her to encourage other people that are going through hard times. And I want to declare in Jesus' name, I want to speak over people right now. Matter of fact, stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.